my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Speaking of the, the AI stuff, I mean, what's been working for you guys? I, I, you know what? You guys have been, uh, so Ralph, Cossum, you guys were in War yeah. Room before, right? Yeah, for years. So, okay, we, we should do a Wicked Smart section for this Wicked towards the smart. end. Um, Neil, you probably remember that, what that is. Neil's been to War Room before too. Um, but on the AI stuff that's going on, like what, what's been working for you guys? You guys share a lot of stuff there too. So let's uh, start with you, Kasim. He doesn't actually oh, do any work. So yeah, smart? he has to think. Oh, dude, I've got a couple really of really good quickly. ones. <laughs> so long form, I'm actually, you know what's so funny? I'm stealing this. So this is a Wicked Smart presentation that just happened at Driven. Which is the new one. That means he's never done it. Quick plug from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm stealing it from this is uh, Dimitri, my buddy Dimitri Smirnoff, Big Life Marketing, Wicked Smart Cat. You guys should have him on the podcast. Dimitri presented a Wicked Smart that I loved and I've actually done. He's taking long form YouTube ads. Here's what's really interesting about YouTube ads the watch times on YouTube ads are inordinately higher than all other media platforms. So if your watch time on like, you know, meta ad is, I don't know what, 15, 20 seconds or whatever, your watch time on YouTube ads can be minutes long. And the average time on site for YouTube is 20 minutes, which is insane. The average time on site across all websites is sub 60 seconds. So like average time on site on YouTube is unfreaking believable. And if you have long form ads, we have one of our highest performing ads across, we spend 150 to $200,000 a month in, just in YouTube. One of our highest performing ads is an hour long. Hmm. It's a one hour long video of John Moran explaining media efficiency ratio. John Moran, the basketball player? No, John John Moran, my business partner. I didn't know there was a John Moran. You guys didn't know he was a media buyer? (laughs) Yeah. An NBA star, John Moran. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, he he moonlights. Um, So we have this hour long YouTube video, but the point that Dimitri makes is if you've got these watch times, especially if your watch time is getting close to 60, 70, 80%, whatever, 
why would you stop? Like people are watching, allow them to continue to watch. And then the other thing that can be really interesting too within YouTube following that kind of same ethos is run ads to other YouTube videos, which is counterintuitive. Everybody thinks, you know, the click should go to the website, the funnel, the offer, the whatever. But there's Google has the 7114 rule. Have you all heard this? You no, I haven't. It sounds familiar. Go ahead. It's it's interesting. Google did this multivariant study across basically all purchasing behavior, but the 7114 rule states uh, that a customer needs to spend seven hours, engage with seven hours of content across 11 different moments in four locations before they're ready to engage with you. Uh, hi. <laughs> Emma, don't be shy. Say hi. Don't be shy. Say hi. Emma, say hi. Hi, Emma. She doesn't want to. <laughs> so what this does is it gives you the opportunity to kind of really boost those numbers. And instead of going straight for the throat and, you know, the jugular of buy now, uh, using high-end content to have them engage with more high-end content, um, it's a way to invest in your customers, give value first, and it's showing quite a bit in the way of results for us. I love that. Was that a wicked smart winner? Uh, he he placed in the top three. The winner was actually Rachel Miller this year. That that uh, name sounds familiar too. Um, dude, Rachel's maybe one of the smartest people in the whole wide world. You guys should have her on too. She just launched a, an AI product called Busy.ai. That's insane. Shout out to my friend Rachel. What does it what does it do? Tell us what it does. You get a it double creates, with it. Smart. Um the 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 product, the funnel, the list, the follow-up for everything that you'd need to launch an info business in a fraction of a second. Hmm. It's it's like a business in a box creator. It's unbelievable. So if that's you want to create you, products, you can launch a business, Emma. Yeah. It will be Emma's business we could do in, in 15 minutes about together. Uh it's pretty cool. I love it. All right, Ralph, hit us. I'm far more like see the ball, hit the ball here. Like, you know, I look at AI right now as just a force multiplier for people that I already have on staff as opposed to replacing them. But I have to replace some content writers with some of the AI tools. I mean, one of the biggest video tools that we use, like talk about content, just at top of funnel. Like we're really talking about the more content you can get out there as much as possible from an organic perspective. And you guys know this, and obviously, you know, you guys rank for lots of keywords, but it's not even that it's just being out there and multiplying your content and taking what you've already done. In our case, we use a lot of video. I know you guys do as well, but I think one of the best tools, and I was surprised that people actually at our mastermind didn't know about this one because I thought everybody did, which is Opus, um, Opus.pro. And we use oh, Opus cool. all the time. It's like, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So you just, so for people that don't know what it is, like, let's say you have a video, like this is a video podcast here. You basically throw it into Opus.pro and it pulls out the segments for the small short form videos with the most relevant content. Maybe it's, you know, and in our case, it might be, you know, something, well, probably not something that Kasim said, probably something that I said, I'm sure it pulls out like the most relevant chunks and then recreates that in a short form video with some slight editing. And then you have your person go in there and do the refinements. And then we can multiply stuff like so quickly, so fast. I think it's, it's getting to be known a little bit too much because the, some of the short form videos are done in sort of that Hermosi style, which Hermosi is now sort of changing his style too, which is kind of cool. He's going more long form. The point is, is it's a great way for you to take one piece of content and multiply it, especially in the video side and syndicate it, 
We do the same thing with blog posts with another tool that we use, content at scale.ai. It's been a sponsor of perpetual traffic for years and years. I think any of those tools, if you Google AI tools for content multiplication, like it is, or for syndication, it's a great way of being able to do what we've been talking about here for the last hour or so on, you know, very small budgets with tiny teams. I literally have one video editor and he pumps out like 20 videos a day and they're high quality. So we don't know which ones are going to hit, which ones are going to get, you know, engagement. But the point is, is the more we put out, the more leads we see, the more visibility, the more opportunity we have to scale. Yeah, I see that all as like a, I, I told Neil this, we, we see social media as like a slot machine now. You just keep, the more you put out, the more chances you have to hit the triple sevens. Mm. That's all it is at the end of the day. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. By the way, Neil and I have an agency owners group called the Agency Owners Association. All you have to do, just go to marketingschool.io slash agency. Once again, it's marketingschool.io slash agency to learn more. And now back to the show. On my end, and I'll, I'll let Neil go next. So we've been doing, with this podcast specifically, so we're going to go 90 minutes here, right? So Riverside's going to give us an AI transcript here. And we it's called AI-assisted content, right? And now I think from this experiment, now it's driving like up to five, 600 clicks per day, and it's starting to really ramp up, right? And so what we're doing is this podcast is daily, and we are just taking the trending topics and then taking the transcript, making it into a blog post using AI, but then you have a human in a loop that's going to add context to it. It's going to add links. It's going to add pictures to it. Um, and then we're also cross-linking to other recent um, you know, new publications. But our costs come down a lot. We're able to put the content out a lot faster. Now what we're doing too is we're using the XML sitemaps of marketing news websites too to get trending topics. And then we'll, we might get like a quick overview and then our writers will just go in and start writing. That way we might not necessarily need to ideate every single time, right? So that this is a way for us to build more top of the funnel content while we use programmatic SEO to build more content around more bottom of the funnel stuff, right? So like, for example, if you're a TripAdvisor, they get 127 million visits per month from organic, all SEO. They rank for like 20 million keywords, right? And they rank for everything under fun things to do in Rome, things to eat in Japan, fun things, like fun attractions, right? All these things. And anybody can do that now. Right. And so it just depends, like not anybody, but if your business has a lot of these different permutations, there's a lot of different demands, there's locations and things like that. You can do programmatic SEO. That's more bottom funnel. You add in these two combos. So one, one thing you're going to be really hard right, to beat because most people, 99% right of people are not doing this right now. Is selling on the platform. So if you look at most ads, whether they're brand awareness or performance-based ads, 
the intention is, is people try to drive people to a website and get them to convert. What we're seeing is right now, if you just keep people on the platforms, it's way cheaper. So for example, if you're running ads and stories on Instagram, don't have one story, have multiple stories that gives the pitch, gives mm -hmm. all the copy that they would get on the landing page from your website, but keep them on Instagram longer and let them stay in the native platform that they're used to. And they're consuming everything that they need to know. And then when they go to your website, they go to buy, right? And some of these platforms are making it where they can just buy on that platform. But what we're finding that is working extremely well right now is take what marketing material you would put on your website and don't think of your ads as just an ad to drive people back to your website. How can you have an ad that engages them and give them the information on the platform that they're on so they don't have to go to your website other than to make the purchase? And we find that to convert really well and be much more cost effective, especially in a time where Kasim gave the example of it used to be you spend $10 and you make $30 sale and you make 10 in profit and then you're breaking even and then you're losing money on the front end and then you're really losing money on the front end hoping to make it back on the LTV. But we're seeing this make the numbers more favorable to the advertisers again. Cool. Love it. Kasim Ralph, rate that one through 10. I do that in app. Do y'all know Depeche Mandelia? No. He's he's a smart guy. I heard him talking about staying in app a year ago. And at the time I thought like, how yeah. lazy. Uh, but since then I've seen it move more and more in that direction. And to the point that Neil's making, everything gets better. Engagement is better and higher. You keep people where they want to be. And what's nice is you're tracking, you know, it's their lead indicators. So it's vanity metrics, but that's better than nothing, which is what I feel like we're getting. And so those vanity metrics become meaningful because if somebody's watched a myopic ad, well, who cares? But if somebody's watched something that constitutes the majority of your funnel, that's really meaningful data. So I think that's, I think it's a brilliant note. I'd go yeah, to I, I would agree cool. with that. I, love I think uh, we've, we've used that with video ad sequences on YouTube, on YouTube ads, and it works really, really well. Sometimes it's seven, eight, nine individual videos and they may or may not. And there's a way in which you can actually track it. Am I watching the first one, the fifth one, the seventh one, then back to the third one. The point is, is like people just, I still don't think people get the fact that people just don't, look at a, a video, <laughs> click to a landing page and then see a retargeting ad and buy. And that's three in, in three days, days yeah. you know, within a 30 day <laughs> sequence, it's like people are chaotic and there's, there's just, it's chaos out there. You have no idea what people are doing, but if you actually try to set up, and this is where the smart marketers are really going to thrive in the next few years with AI and into the future is thinking it through. Like if I was going to buy this thing, you know, this, uh, whatever this thing, like, you know, my ear earbuds, like what would I need to know in order for me to finally make that buying decision. Not like there's anybody in the world that doesn't know what AirPods are. The point is, is like, what is that thing that will engage them to start? You know, we're going back to basics here. We're going back to like David Ogilvy. Like talk about their pain points and their desires in your ads. Dice talked about this at Traffic and Conversion Summit. Actually call out in your ads to your avatar and their problem. And then 
pull them through on a sequence of events and it's not linear. Expect them to go all over the place. And I think, you know, what Neil's talking about with, with videos and social, same kind of thing. Cause you have to sort of think in reverse. People don't click, click, and then buy. It's like they, th they watch, they click, they buy, they, they click again, they watch here, here. It's a, it's chaos. And if you just don't expect people to do exactly what you want them to do at all times, when it comes to performance marketing, I think you're going to be in a better place. But if you think it through logically, especially through sequences, I think you're going to be that much closer to so, success. So, Ralph, you showed an example of the AirPods okay. that you were holding right. up. We got one more the thing way over I here. So bought go ahead, AirPods Neil, back in the day, my up. first ever set of AirPods was saw them on the internet, read some articles, saw them on the Apple website, didn't want to spend the money. And, you know, time goes on. You see people wearing them. Um, was at the airport. There was a little kiosk thing. And I literally swiped a credit card and I bought AirPods right then and there. How are they going to track that I bought that on, in the kiosk at the airport because I saw it all previously, you know, online? Like, that's how buying works these days. And you guys are spot on, but it's funny. It, some of this stuff is really hard to track. Yeah. So here's the last question for everyone here. Uh, what's something really interesting that you learned recently? And Kasim, you get to go first. Oh goodness. Um, what was that? What was that thing, Ralph, that Perry Marshall was talking about? It's based off of uh, uh, New York stage plays and actors would sit around saying, how long do you think this play is gonna run? And if it's ran for a week, then we'll give it another week. If it's ran for 30 years, we'll give it another 30 years. It's a, it's an economic principle that says the amount of time that something's been around is the amount of time it will continue. The to Lindy, be effect. I, Lindy effect. Lindy effect. That's it. Yeah. So Perry Marshall spent an hour going <laughs> on and on and on about the Lindy effect. And I can't stop thinking about it now because it's so, and then when you, when you Google it, there's a bunch of rabbit holes you can dive down. But I found this video, the Lindy effect explained in one minute. Uh, from this one minute economics YouTube channel. Um, and it's, it's fun, especially given where no, we no, are No, no, she's gone. You're like good. And even if she was here, she wouldn't be. To play Lindy effect with shit. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just, oh, forgive me, Neil. I realize your kid is there. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to teach her. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Neil's never said bad <laughs> so words. Lindy effect is what I learned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got it. Love that. Love it. Costume. You know what's, um, I'll go next on this one. So I'm reading a book right now called working backwards. Have you guys read this book before? No. Okay. So one guy was the chief of staff for Jeff Bezos. So these are two Amazon guys. One guy followed Jeff Bezos for two to three years. He shadowed him everywhere. The other guy, <clears throat> he worked at Amazon for 15 years. He ran like, um, he, he started prime. He started, you know, video and all that. Um, and these guys were just going through the, the, it's the entire framework, like all the secrets behind how Amazon operates. And there's all these things, right? Like you hear about these two pizza teams, like you don't think much of it. It's like, oh yeah, no te team shouldn't be larger than two pizzas. It actually goes way further than that and it keeps evolving. And it, it goes into like this thing called single threaded leadership. I'll give a takeaway for everyone and I'll, I'll just move this on. There's like so many things in there, but um, one thing is they talk about the six page narrative, right? And they don't allow PowerPoints at, at Amazon. And the reason for that is because they, PowerPoints are for lazy people, right? It, it doesn't, it, 
it allows the presenter to be lazy and it puts more of the onus on the audience. Their whole thing is you got to write a six page narrative if you want to push a, a thing through. And if we approve it, great. If not, then like, you know, too bad. You're shit out of luck, right? Um, so just you see how they evolve over time. It's like everything's chaotic, but they slowly methodically get to something that makes a lot of sense. And that's why they're the machine that they are. And I highly recommend it doesn't matter if you're a startup or if you're a scale up, it's a good book. But uh, let's go with you, Ralph. You're next. Uh, there was a book that I read recently, I think that just changed my whole thinking on what it is that we do as a business. And I think any business that I run after this, because obviously, I mean, at a certain point, I'm going to get tired of doing this. And probably we are looking at some point to, yeah. to obviously exit and do a transaction. But uh, the idea of how to make a brand legendary, I've always sort of thought like it's this black box. Like how does Steve Jobs actually do it? How does Chick-fil-A do it? How does like Volvo do it? How does Lego do it? And a book that I read is Make Your Brand Legendary by Scott Wozniak. Uh, not a very well-known author, but we've patterned our whole business around this whole idea that every great business has four components to it. And the component, number one component is operational excellence. The next one is memorable moments that your customers and clients talk about and like they get this great feeling about you. The next part is custom, deep customer insights, which is he refers to as sort of flash uh, surveys, like every now and then, just out of the blue, not like an NPS score that you send once a year or whatever it happens to be, but just deep customer insights. It's all layered by this whole sort of, uh, you know, track all the way around it, which is your leadership team, which enables all of this to come together. And one of his best examples of this is how Chick-fil-A operates. Chick-fil-A operates not because you know, they are the, the, the largest McDonald's is obviously is the largest, but why does Chick-fil-A on an individual franchise gross revenue, double the average revenue of McDonald's. It's because they have these raving fans because they have a customer experience engine. They have, you know, the, the person who comes out with the iPad and takes your order. Every time you say, thank you, they say my pleasure. You know, every part of it, they actually measure on their, their videos instead of like how much or how much your average order value is, how many smiles they have per hour. It's this complete and utter focus on the client and the customer itself. And that's what makes a, a company like Chick-fil-A so great. And our whole process right now is like our whole leadership team read this book and we're like, we want to become this in the agency space. And it's just... It's somewhat obvious, but it's taking us away from where the agency space has been in the past. And for me, it's a book that I highly recommend. I think it can be applied to any business. And it just blew me away how simple it is. Not easy to implement. The operational excellence part is just all about just making sure that you what you deliver is consistently great. Not mm, sometimes great, sometimes not so great. But the whole idea of it is probably one of the best ideas I've read in the last year. Yeah, so one of the hardest lessons I learned as an right. entrepreneur. You, All right, Neil, Neil, go for it. I know you talked to a lot of leadership people. really is everything in the organization. Like if you're trying to solve a problem and grow your company, there's someone that's probably already done it in your space. And I thought, you know, years and years ago, I raised venture capital and the VCs would tell me your only job is to hire amazing talent right? 
and it took me a long time for it to click. And then I, I had the model of, let me just go find people who work for my competitors and they continually got promotions because everyone says they're amazing, but people who got continual promotions, it showed that the company felt they were valuable, at least in most cases. And then if they work for a few of your competitors and they kept getting promotions, there's a good chance they really are valuable. And if they're a cultural fit for you, they can do wonders. And that's what's caused my organization to grow nicely over the last six years. But what I learned in more recent times is as you scale organization to 500,000 plus employees, um, you know, we're getting close to hitting a thousand soon, or we'll be there, I think, in a few months is my guess, like within three, four months. When you start looking at numbers like that, you know, what I learned from some of my friends who've sold their companies to really large organizations like MasterCard and like people who have like 50,000 employees, 100,000 employees, you know, I had a friend who sold to Accenture, et cetera. You're not going to actually get all rock stars. You don't need amazing, you you don't need amazing team of 100,000 people to build a big organization. What you need is amazing leaders at the top that can train and instill values and create systems and processes that bring up your C players and turn them into B players and turn your B players into A players, etc. That's how you build a big organization. You're never going to have an organization filled with all amazing people. Your leaders should be people who know how to solve problems and have already done it in your industry before because there's less chance that they'll make less mistakes and they'll be more successful in your organization. But they also need to be able to create systems and processes to bring up the D players and make them C players and make the C players B players and make your B players A players. And that's how you create a big company. Neil, we we talked about this before, (laughs) but there's a... You're really lucky at the end of the day. Like people think, oh, if we can have like 80% A players. No, yeah, it's and, like, and there's you're nothing really good. You're maybe like 20% A players. Like most of the time, you're like 10, 15%. Because a lot of time, the D players are new graduates from college and they're just learning. They're not going to be a rock star that knows how to add 10 million in revenue when they just graduated college and they've never had a job. D is not a bad mark, it's just where they are in their career. And it's more so. You need leaders in the organization to bring all of those people up and make sure they're heard and you're there for them versus just like, oh, whatever, they'll figure it out. They're another cog in the wheel, right? That that model of they're just another cog in the wheel doesn't work. You need people to bring others up. <laughs> Tell you what, we're going to clip that moment and throw it on your LinkedIn. Let's see what reactions you get. <laughs> well i look i think that's a good that's a good place for for us to wrap but guys this collab's been really good i i definitely would like to do more in the future hopefully we can do them in person but um ralph what's the best way for people to find you online um same for you cause you go first ralph uh yeah you could probably follow me on linkedin i guess that's probably the best place to follow me but uh of course tier11.com t-i-e-r spell out 11 the guy who has the tier 11 with the number is holding me ransom for hundreds of thousands of dollars for that URL. So anyway, so tier11.com, Ralph Burns, you can find me there or LinkedIn. <laughs> right, awesome. I, read, I read an article from Neil why he paid 500 grand for one domain that redirects to him. I, <laughs> I realized <laughs> what I was talking to here. It's like, no price is high enough. Yeah. 
I was about yeah. to say you're talking to the wrong guys. Uh, they can find me socially at Costa Muslim, all socials. The one that I engage with the most is Facebook because I'm old. All right. Um, so my social handles are all Eric O S I U. So Eric O S U. Agency Single Grain. And everyone, go subscribe to Marketing School listeners. Go subscribe to Perpetual Traffic and uh, Perpetual, Perpetual Traffic, Traffic listeners. listeners. Go subscribe to Marketing School and leave ratings. Yeah. If this is the first time you've heard Marketing School and you want to help these guys out, the best thing you can do is go give them a good rating. Both sides. Both sides. Give Perpetual. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.